All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck sticks? What the fucksters? What the fuckleberry thins? And what the fuck rakers? Hi. Hi, it's Mark Marin. Where are we at? All right. RuPaul was on the show today. And I got to tell you, this was an enlightening conversation. I was not in a great place. I was a little burnt out. I have been a little burnt out. I didn't know what to expect from RuPaul. I had no idea. All I, I, I know as much as you guys know from uh, watching him do his work and, and being who he is. I know he was on his way over here. He got lost. I didn't. He, I got on the phone with him. He seemed nice. I didn't. I still. I. You know. You make assumptions about a guy in drag. And I was a little at the end of my rope. I don't know if you guys know this, but sometimes this is exhausting. Uh, talking to people intensely uh, for hours at a time. I get a little burnt out. I was a little at the end of my rope. The last relationship kind of, kind of knocked me for a a, a, a loop. Uh, just a little frazzled trying to put together a new hour of stand-up. I mean, look, I'm not complaining. Some of you think I'm complaining. I'm not. But I do get exhausted and aggravated and anxious. And RuPaul came in here and just something about it. We got down to brass tacks of spiritual stuff and other stuff, and uh, he made me feel better. It felt like a very, very proactive conversation. It helped me. So that's coming up momentarily. All right, so I go to Nashville because I got a gig, the Wild West Comedy Festival. It's a new comedy festival. Vince Vaughn is involved. Uh, my buddy Ahmed, Ahmed, uh, he, you've heard him on this show. He tells me I should do it, maybe do a WTF with Vince. So we set up this WTF with Vince. Now, I take on a lot of things that uh, I, I don't know if I can handle necessarily. I say yes to a lot of things. I don't know how to say no. Now, my experience with live WTFs, the live WTFs I used to do with groups of comics, that's just for fun, get some laughs. But one-on-one, it's tricky, and I don't know Vince. I've never met Vince. I only know him like you know him, you know, from movies and stuff. I don't think we're the same type of dude. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned that maybe he's going to hand me my ass somehow. I don't know how I'm going to have to... I, talking to him one-on-one in here would make me a little intimidated. He's just, one of, he's just that kind of guy. I met him once. He's a very tall fellow tall you know i get very anxious i get very full of 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 dread and anxiety and i make myself crazy before interviews even when i just do them in the garage in my house i drive myself nuts i don't know if you know that about me but it's true you know i have a sense of where i want to go but yet you know walking into a conversation that you're hoping is going to last at least an hour you know that way is a little anxiety inducing so i got weeks to think about this now we're going to do it in front of an audience and i didn't know how it was going to go so I'm heading to Nashville and I'm, and I'm a little nuts. I got to do it that night. And I get to the theater. We got about 300 tickets sold. And Vince walks in and I'm like, hey, man. He's like, what's up? And I'm like, how you doing? Very charming guy. Professional. Professionally charming, that guy. But a nice guy. And I tell him, look, we're just going to do it. And I said, look, it gets it's, it's a little tricky to have a real conversation in front of people because you're going to want to. You know, I think we're both, if you have the chops, you're going to want to get some laughs and you, you want to loop them into the conversation. You don't want to just sit there and speak candidly in front of people and not include them. Well, I, I told him, I said, we'll see what happens. It should be good. And he was excited. And I went up there and it was great. Not only was it good, there was, there was a through line. There was a theme. He did hand, my, hand me my ass a bit. You know, he helped me out a bit. I seem to be in another mode of, of kind of a, a slight a bit of anxiety and, and a little overly neurotic and aggravated 
Uh, well, it's good, though, because I, I need a little help emotionally, and that, that always makes for a pretty good interview. But here's what happened in Nashville. Had a great show at Zany's. We did a 7 o'clock show, packed the place out. Thank you for coming out. Uh, I know I was a little loose. I know I was a little uh, manic uh, because of coffee intake and, and other things in my mind. Uh, but it was a great show, and I really appreciate everyone who came out uh, there in Nashville. So what did I get done in Nashville? A, a, a pretty monumental thing happened. I'm eating with my buddy, Court McGowan. Okay, we're just sitting there at, at a place called Nashville, having some breakfast, and three dudes walk up to me. One of them is wearing a, a Goodland Record t-shirt. I recognize the t-shirt. That's Ben Pearlstein. I'd never met him in the flesh, but he's Tommy Stinson's manager, Tommy Stinson, the bass player from The Replacements, who I've had on this show. With him are a cat named John Phillip, okay? And the other guy with him is this guy named, uh, named Tanner Shep. So I don't know these guys. They all introduced themselves as fans. You know, Pearlstein, uh, you know, I, I, I know him because, uh, you know, we've worked with him before and he manages this band that these other two guys are in. All right. And that's Trapper Shep and the Shades. They're recording a record down the street and they're telling me that they're fans and they're in the studio. And John Phillip is is like, yeah, we, we listen to your shit. And, and this guy, uh, this guy Tanner, he's, you know, he listens to my shit and, you know, obviously Ben's a fan and they're recording a record. I'm like, you guys need a guitar player? I said, jokingly. And they're like, yeah, you should come down to the studio. I'm like, no, seriously. Really? And they're like, yeah, yeah, come down. We're, we're working on some songs and we could probably figure out a way to, to you know, to, to get you in on a song. And I'm like, really? Yeah, I, I can come in the studio? So to me, this is like, oh my God. I've never recorded in a studio. I've never done uh, any music like that. I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I just play guitar here in my garage by myself. And I'm like, are you serious? They're like, yeah, come at noon. I'm like, no fucking way. So now this is all I'm thinking about. I'm going to go play guitar. I'm going to go jam in a studio with these guys. They're making a record. The name of the band is Trapper Shep and the Shades. All right. So the, the two guys are in a Trapper and Tanner are brothers. Trapper's the guitar player. Tanner's the bass player. John Phillip is the drummer. Well, anyway, so so I go meet them at uh, Brendan Benson's studio. Brendan Benson from the Tours. He's also a solo artist. All right, so now it's like getting big. Now I'm like, holy shit, this is big time. So I get there. They're like, pick a guitar. And there's a wall of guitars. So I pick this telly uh, and... And I'm like, well, what do you want it to sound like? What are we doing? What's the song? And I had never done this before. And now, and now I'm sitting there and they're treating me like a professional musician. Like they, he's showing me the song. Now I got to learn the song. I never learn songs really, very rarely. So I got to learn the song. Then I got to figure out a riff for the song. Then I got to figure out how I'm going to play it. And then Brendan Benson, the, the wizard, you know, he hooks me up in this little tube amp. And it's like, I want to sound like Keith. I think that's, uh, that's the way to go. When in doubt, sound like Keith. So he gets that thing going. It's in a separate room of the studio. Like, it's all rigged up, man. Like, he's got me plugged into an amp in another room, and they're on the headphones. So I'm, okay, I'm, I'm excited, overwhelmed, and I think I'm, I'm way outgunned here. Like, what, I'm just a fucking amateur guitar player, right? So we work it out. We work out the songs. We start doing takes. I'm in the studio. And we do, I spent the entire day there uh, you know, recording a, an actual song for a record. I don't know if they'll cut me out or not. It doesn't matter. It was amazing. And I got to tell you, man, you know, I walked out. I was I was thrilled that they let me do it. The thing was, they were very nice to let me be involved. And they seemed excited about it. I think I played all right, but I got very insecure. And I'm walking out. I thank them. I, I don't even know what to say. I was just sort of like, yeah. 
and I'm walking out, and then Trapper comes running after me. He's like, "Here, man, here's a here's a session fee." He gave me a hundred bucks. I don't want any money. It was a very kind gesture and a respectful one. And now I can say I'm a paid studio musician. Obviously, I'm not. Look, here's what I learned from this. All right. I learned that I am definitely not a professional musician. All right. A lot of things go into it. You got to do, you know, a lot of takes. You got to do, uh, you know, you, you got to re-record stuff. You got it. But I learned a lot. You know, I learned about the whole process, at least in, you know, Benson studio. You know, I did some overdubs or whatever. You know, I corrected some things. I got the lead right. You know, I, you know, I sang on another song, some backup. But, but whatever. I spent the day there doing a real recording session. And look, I am not. I'm just, I'm just not a professional musician. This is what I learned. All right, I'm not a professional musician. I'm limited, and I, you know, quite honestly, I obviously don't take it seriously. Uh, the other thing I learned is I think I found what I want to do with the rest of my life, and I just hope I, I'm going to break this to you easy. But I think it's time for me to start um, to start recording songs that I've written uh, in a studio with a band. Now, a lot has to happen between this announcement and actually doing it. Like, first, I have to get a band. I have to write the songs. And so, okay. All right, maybe it's not going to happen overnight. But it was fucking amazing. I just want to trapper chef in the shades to know that it was a real thrill for me. And I hope I make the cut. Like, if you don't, if you don't, I'm speaking directly to them now. Obviously, I could text somebody. But if, if you don't put my guitar playing on that cut of the record... I will be brokenhearted, and I will, and and no matter how good the record is, I'll say it's bad. Okay, that well, that's just how I'm going to play this one. That's what I'm going to do. RuPaul is is my guest today, and I love this conversation I had with him. So enjoy it. I definitely couldn't have done that anymore. Right. Uh, you know that was that was that, and I did it for a good ten years after. It was done, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. What the just the the booze and the drugs? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I'm I having... started when I'm from San Diego. I started when I was ten. Ten doing what? Uh, smoking weed and drinking. Yeah, yeah. And and actually, by fourteen, I was actually no, by thirteen, I was doing Red Devils. You know what those were? They I'm were trying... they were um in the, the after school movies. They were Bennies and Dixies. Oh, right, and... right, right. Speed. Yeah, but there were speed, and then there were the downers too. Right. Yeah. So well, well, you started early enough where there really were downers. Mm-hmm. Were, you know, downers sort of went away. The classic downers, Quaaludes gone. Well, if you remember, Quaaludes made a comeback in eighty eight, in eighty nine. Yeah. Um, but they were bootleg, and they right. were um. Were they Mexican? They were like mandrakes or something. Wasn't that another something thing? Like that. They were. I think they were cut with like um with heroin or something that made something you, practical something practical and cheap and um totally black out on them which was kind of kind I, of cool i can't get off nicotine i i eat nicotine lozenges all the time i can't get off it yes you can you can yeah what do you, I, I know i can yeah i, I just i'd forgotten what that denial feels like like ah oh, tomorrow i'll do it tomorrow no, I think that's I think that's the Jew in you, actually. <laughs> what? Yeah, what, putting totally. it off. <laughs> I just that sort of a, a mild suffering that <sighs> is, I need it. It feels so at home. It does. <laughs> you don't have it. No, I don't. Ugh. I don't. Not at all. You know, there's just yeah, love and light all the time. No, Ru? no, no, no. There's, it, there, it's there. It's still there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, but it's it takes work. It's like a tail that grows back every mm-hmm. day. That's why, you know, I have my spiritual practices that I will do that uh, just get me 
get my my get me a line. What are they? Help me. Well, <clears throat> I know, need some advice. Well, here we are in Los Angeles. Yes. I like to I like to wake up really early in the morning, like four o'clock. Yeah. Do my yoga. Yeah. By myself, and then I will go down to. I have. Um, I'm very very Los Angeles Hollywood. Yeah. I have a little office down um, in West Hollywood that I go down to, where I keep all my clothes and all my. Just that stuff. must be a large office. Well, it's it's actually it's a condo. It's like a it's a two bedroom. So condo. How many closets are there? Well, the rooms are closets. Right. Okay. The rooms are the closets. <laughs> and so I go down there, and yeah. I check my emails and all that kind of stuff. Right. Do some tweeting, and then I go to the gym at five. Okay. And these are all spiritual practices. This is all meditation. This is all you know part of the thing yeah. that helps the tail shaves the tail down. Right. Then. I will either go to um, uh, you know uh, a meditation meeting, uh-huh. and then, or and then this or, is every day, every day, or I either go there or I like this morning I went to Aretha Franklin Canyon for a hike at six thirty in the morning. Is it called Aretha Franklin Canyon? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know that one. Is that on the map? Yeah. Well, it's actually called Franklin Canyon, okay. but if I call it Aretha Franklin yeah. Canyon, you'll never forget it. Okay. You'll know exactly what I'm talking so this, about. So by noon, you've done like four things, four yeah. self-care things. Yeah, but they're they're maintenance. They they have to be done. In fact, it 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 it, it helps everything in the day. You yeah. Know? And so, um, although there is a yoga. Uh, a, a yoga class I will go to it at 9.15. Do you get spiritual sort of peace out of yoga or is it just a physical workout? No, no, yeah. It's, it's all it's, it's It's spiritual. It's focusing on the breathing. It's focusing on the heartbeat and just being, you know, and being where you are yeah. right now. Why do I fight all this? I do fight it. Because you you feel that, and I'm just not just you, just at humans. Yeah. What, when you dissect what humans, what humans do, what right. the machine is, yeah. you can look at it from uh, objectively and go oh it's doing that thing now yeah so um you know uh so that's why that's why uh that's why you fight it but where, now where where did you so you you were born in san diego mm-hmm. so you come from california mm-hmm. like i would never associate you with san diego yeah well you know a lot of uh brown skin people from the south either moved up to detroit and you know those industrial cities right or the later ones like in the early 50s moved to uh out west you where'd know? your family come from they're from louisiana really uh-huh do you still have family there um you know my sister told me yesterday that she's gonna move down there she's gonna go back she's gonna go i'm like so why she... why would you do that <laughs> it's a pretty I, I mean i have nothing against it but it's awfully hot and sticky it's hot and sticky and you know there are still um uh just old ideas old ideas which ones i mean it seems like new orleans itself is a pretty progressive open-minded clusterfuck of a city yeah but you're talking about the state itself i think just i think just progressive thinkers i think people who think on terms of doing things in a way that uh are more effective yeah it's 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 more rare to find people in uh you know in Louisiana, right to do that, right. There, you'd have to have uh, there'd be smaller groups. Maybe you'd yes. have to set up meetings. For... Exactly, you'd have to do that. <laughs> Secret meetings of people that are progressive thinkers. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm going to get a bunch of email from people in New Orleans going, "That is not true. There's nine of us here." Well, no, that's well, it's, well, this is maybe that's in New Orleans, but my sister's um, going to be moving to Mansfield. I have no which idea. Is south of Shreveport, which is where my father was born and raised. Is she going for emotional reasons or? She 
you know what? My father, who he 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 passed on a, a couple of years ago, but she bought a place down there with her husband, and they like it. You know, hmm. you know, yeah, I, you know, I. You know, we grew up, um, uh, you know, on welfare, public assistance and all that stuff. You know, my idea of roughing it is the four seasons. Right. You know what I mean? I don't want to rough it. I don't want anything hard. I don't want to be around people who I have to convince that I'm worthy of, of uh, anything. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I just want to relax. I want to relax and I want to not be judged. You can judge me all you want. Just don't get up in my face. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when when you were growing up in San Diego... I mean, where did, uh, where did, you know, what did you start with doing? I mean, what was your life like as a kid? I mean, how, because you've evolved into this, you know, phenomenon. I mean, I don't, like, I can't remember a time in my life where RuPaul wasn't somewhere on the periphery of, of my, my consciousness. Right. So how did that, how did that start? What were your interests? How did you, what was the struggle like at the beginning? Well, you know, I I, I was in a, a house with all girls. My my mother and father divorced when I was seven, but like the two years leading up to the divorce was just pure hell. They were fighting. Well, they were fighting, and they they had their own melodrama. And uh, us kids, we were just bit players, um, mm-hmm. unpaid bit players, mm-hmm. extras. So you know, to get any attention, to get something going, I had to sing and dance or tell jokes. I had to have some value. How many you know? sisters? Three sisters uh-huh. and me. Yeah. And then my sisters, my older sisters, they're twins. They hightailed it out of there as soon as possible. Uh, in fact, the one who's moving to Louisiana is, she got married when she was 17. Oh, wow. 17. She with the guy still? No, 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 Just wanted out. She wanted out, wanted yeah. to get somewhere. Yeah. And so, um, and then I, when I was 15, I, I was able to move in with her, that same sister. She's right. my soul sister. Uh, and uh, moved to Atlanta, Georgia, at that point. And that and that was the uh, that was the the great escape. It was it was my my own personal bar mitzvah. You know, yeah. it was my way. I I had made the transition. <laughs> for, sorry right. for lack of a better term, but uh, I was able to move on to to meet my tribe. Yeah, and what was that? What, why Atlanta? So you were sixteen. I was fifteen. 15, was fifteen, and you're on your own. Well, yeah, well, I was with my sister right. and her husband okay. when she married when she was 17. And what were your interests? Where were you at, you know, sexually and otherwise? Well, I was, you know, I mean, it was back up a little bit. I was I always thought outside the box, always could see colors that other people couldn't see, mm-hmm. and I was always looking for my tribe and the closest thing I'd gotten to that until that point yeah. was uh, Monty Python on PBS. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> really? These are my people. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there were inklings of it Just because of the absurdity and the comedy and the- And the irreverence yeah. and the looking and seeing outside the box and seeing how, um, how, uh, how absurd and the hypocrisy of our culture, you know, um, you know. I remember the first time I saw Woody, Woody Allen's uh, Annie Hall, and right. he would have this ongoing uh, dialogue with people on the street. Yeah. And he would say, um, are you feeling this? Yeah, that? Yeah, and they yeah. would say, well, yeah, I was feeling it, but you were this dialogue. And I was right. looking for people to have that dialogue with, like, right. is this all kind of weird to you? Yeah. But everybody was pretending like this was normal, this this life that we have. It's like, and I explain it when I tweet or when anywhere I talk about this thing, it's like, there are two types of people. The people who believe the Matrix, lock, stock, and, and barrel, and the people who 
who understand, oh, this is a construct. This is all illusion. Those are the two types of people. And I was always looking for the other people who were going, yes, it is illusion. Against the status quo. Exactly. Against the, the sort of mediocrity, the exp- cultural expectations of middle America and, exactly. and the American dream idea. It's interesting that the portal in was Monty Python mm-hmm. because that was, you almost felt weird watching that one because I'm about the same age as you, a couple of years younger, but you'd find it on PBS. It wasn't even on network TV. You're right. like, does anyone know that this is on? What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> it, was an, it was a pretty amazing feeling just yeah. to see the beginning of it because it was from another country. It yeah. didn't feel like anything American and it just didn't make sense in any way that we were able to process. Yeah. yeah. And it was hilarious. Oh my God. So great. And, you know, it was around the same time I started smoking weed. Oh, okay. so yeah. it was Hell of a perfect. combination. <laughs> it was perfect. It's perfect. So but did you want to do a comedy? No, I wanted to I wanted to live life. I wanted to go and dip into the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Uh-huh. I wanted to do everything. You know what like when you see young kids, I was watching a kid the other day. Yeah. Must have been about four years old, and he was so happy to be in a human body. He's just jumping around and going up upside down and he was running over there and he came around and I was like, Oh my god, it's great. Yeah. I'm a human. Look at me. Yeah. Look, I can do this. Yeah. I can do it. I, that's what I wanted For to do. For no reason. For just no reason. to do it. Just, just to, to do move it. your hands, jump around, roll on the ground. Exactly. With a parent an exhausted parent going, Yes, you can. You can do exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. But unfortunately, when I was a kid, you know, my parents were in their own melodrama, mm-hmm. and I wanted so I, I really couldn't, you know, do that as much as possible. Well, selfish parents make you don't they don't provide a, a place where you can feel comfortable to be yourself, even right? You just get steamrolled. Absolutely, they, they don't pay attention. You don't get re- any reaffirmation or any affirmation at all. Right. Like good for you, kid. You know that's great. You just sort of. Luckily wallowing. for me, though, my sister Renata, yeah. who's losing, moving to Louisiana, who was my soul sister, who I moved to Atlanta with, and who got married at seventeen. Her, yeah, she was my soul. She was the one who uh, said, "You're great." You should do this. Why don't you do that? I had that in my sister, so that was great. That's great to yeah. have somebody protecting you and, and yeah. supporting you. So you get to Atlanta at 15. Now, I like Atlanta. It's a pretty great city, and that has a, a, a pretty strong progressive community and a pretty strong sort of you know kind of whack job community a yeah. bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's always been good music from there, mm-hmm. uh, good comedy from there. So what did you do when you get there at 15? Well, at 15, uh, in Atlanta, I got into the School of Performing Arts. We saw a real estate agent who... Yeah. who um, you know, asked me what I was interested in. And she said, well, you, you'd like the Northside School of Performing Arts. Right. And so from then on, uh, that was my goal. And I got in and met my tribe. Met my tribe. What they look like? Well, they were they were kids like me who who saw outside the box, who you know, who knew about uh, things and music and and things that weren't just uh, uh, what they were programmed. What to. year are we talking now? This 75. is this is nineteen seventy six. Right. Yeah, nineteen seventy six. Because so. I'm, I'm born in November, so I'm fifteen. Most of seventy six. Okay. I'm, I'm November seventeenth. Wow. What is going on? Like that's disco. It's disco. I went to my first disco. In, that's be, I was, like the middle of it, right? Yeah. Well, it was. It was. It. It. it, it the middle of it would have been seventy seven, seventy eight. Okay, so the beginning. So it's all starting. Yeah. 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 Some dancing going on. There's some cocaine around. Absolutely. My poppers. My, 
Uh, my brother-in-law, I'm 15. Yeah. My brother-in-law lent me his ID. Right. And the drinking age then was 18 right. in Atlanta. Yeah. So I went to my first disco. Uh, it was called The Fox Hunt. Uh-huh. It was brilliant. <laughs> It was brilliant. Foxes. <laughs> that, remember that word? Yeah. Foxy. Yeah. Oh, I still say foxy yeah, all the time. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it never goes away. So you go in and it's what? There's like a mirror ball and there's you know, <laughs> what, what, what's happening? Well, this is Atlanta. And, you know, the history of Atlanta, Atlanta is a mecca uh, for people all over the South southeast Mm -hmm. and so you know at this point atlanta was enjoying this amazing boom and it's had several booms over the centuries right what what type well this was the black explosion boom because in 74 maynard jackson had become the first black mayor of atlanta Mm -hmm. and so it was like wow and so all these black people from all over the actually all over the united states that let's go to atlanta and that's actually what we did. We yeah. went there because it was happening, and it was really happening. Right. So, what um, does that mean? Like, uh, we talking like big hair? Well, we're talking big <laughs> hair, but no, just but just freedom to to um, pursue your dreams, right? And to to may, hopefully make money without a lot of obstruction from from the man, right? You know, yeah, so, yeah. So there was this this feeling of freedom there that that uh, that we moved there for, and you know, over the years, people have moved to Atlanta for that same reason for uh, for. for Different aspects of that sure. same reason, sure. You know, so uh, and what was uh, what was your plan? How did that evolve? What when did you start to uh, what What did you start doing creatively first? Well, first of all, it was it was theater and music theater, and then it went into uh, you know new wave punk rock. It's actually the punk rock movement was sort of dissipating when the new wave thing was taking over, and I started my career at a club called Six Eight Eight in a band, mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, this is this is about eighty one, eighty two, and so the B fifty twos had already exploded. Now, are you in drag yet? No, 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 no. See, but this is the thing. This goes back to Monty Python thing, and the Woody Allen thing, which is um, I understand that this is a matrix, and how can I? And I'm come from the counterculture. San Diego, I grew up around, you know, the hippie movement and all that, California You took love. that in. That was all part of it. Cause the I'm, beach. The, everything. Because, you know, um, I hate to, I love it when Judge Judy says, you know what, I'm smarter than you and I'll always be knowing you. The thing is, and it, 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 I admire it because I was taught to never say you're smart. I, I dumbed down for so many years as a kid so I could f- sort of fly under the radar. You and know? fit in too, right? And fit in. And it's a strategic yeah. move. It's a strategy. Well, you you're know? like, okay, so you're three years o- older than me. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, what was left of the hippie thing? I mean, it defined culture. If you wanted counterculture, if you were compelled towards something that wasn't the matrix, it always looked like you know some you know a couple of long hairs we're just hanging around doing nothing. Yeah. Like they got the answer. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're rebels. They're just not doing anything. They're just wandering around with long hair and bell bottoms. But that's that's kind of revolutionary. Yeah. No, Coming absolutely. from, you know, the 50s that we, where we had come, that yeah. is kind of revolutionary because it's it says, um, you know what, I'm not going to play the game. Right, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm throwing my... Jo- and, and by the way, and I'm jumping ahead, yeah. but part of the reason people have an, uh, an aversion to drag is because it breaks the fourth wall, because it is so... So punk rock because it, it says, you know what? Um, look, I'm a man. Boom. Look, now I'm a woman. Look, now I'm a cowboy. Yeah. Now I'm a sailor. Now I'm this. Now I'm that. Now I'm this thing, this alien. You well, know? I think that, I, I don't know if they, I, I think the aversion, if there is an aversion, it's it's uh, to what it confronts in men who don't know how to contextualize it. 
Sure, <laughs> I, know, I buy know, that. Like, I don't think it's sort of like that. That's no good. It's sort of like I don't know why I'm feeling this. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, but that's a, that's a part of the, the bigger picture, which is that you know, you know, they say um, um, we're all God in drag. Sure, and so you know. But there's a denial of that. And I think it's because nobody wants... It's a sort of a buzzkiller. You know, nobody likes the actor who breaks the fourth wall because it, it takes them out of their high, out of their fantasy. Well, so when you say the fourth wall, that drag breaks the fourth wall, is that you have... You you are within, you know, the, the character, but you have the freedom to be whoever you want in there because the character stays as it is, so you can kind of move in and out of what... Absolutely. It's self-referential. Absolutely. All right, so, okay, so like getting back to the 60s and then moving towards punk rock, Rock, you know, when I brought up drag, you're like, no, not yet, because I was doing some other matrix busting activity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that and that was, you know, what was your punk band? What what was the theatrics of it? Well, we, we it was moving. It was a punk rock mentality, but we had already moved into this new wave dance music. Yeah, it, it was it was it was party music because I'm um, to think a who lot that of was because I was a, it was that... it was it was Bow Wow Wow and Hazy Fantasy, oh, yeah, 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 and then yeah, yeah. it was the B fifty twos because we. We thought, wow, if these party kids from Athens could have this worldwide hit with Rock Lobster, then we could do it. And that's right. where we—that's where we started. And they would—they had come from Athens, Georgia, which is just sixty miles, and out. still a big music town. Yeah, and still a mecca for music. Sure. So, but what were okay? So you're how old? I was twenty. And was this 20. is, the, and the band was called. Wee Wee Pole. Yeah, Wee Wee Pole. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, but I joined this band called The Now Explosion, which was a sort of a uh, takeoff on the B-52s. And this is about 82. Did you know Fred? Did you know them? I mean, were they around? No, no. We didn't know them, but they knew of us. You know oh, what I mean? Sure. Because so, they were the reigning. Yes. They were the kings and Yeah, queens. but they were out on the, on the road and, and sure. all that kind of stuff. So. Um, I was sort of a special guest of the Now Explosion. They they existed, and then my spinoff band from the Now Explosion was Wee Wee Pole. Now, were you singing? Yeah. And were you? What were you wearing? I was wearing a loincloth and a mohawk, and uh, you know, you know, sort of this jungle look was my my thing. Jungle, uh-huh. urban jungle. Uh huh. And the band was was there a synthesizer and a drum, or just a. Where, know, how, what was the uh, the we, outfit? We had a synthesized drum with a mm-hmm. percussionist, mm-hmm. and then uh, a bass and a guitar. And then I had two girls, who I was in a little group before this called RuPaul and the U-Hauls. These two, uh-huh. they was sort of a takeoff on Sylvester's um, Two Tons of Fun, and yeah. these two big black girls yeah. who who sang uh, backup for me, and then that merged into Wee Wee Pole. <laughs> Wee so, Wee Pole. Where did yeah. that come from? You know what? We were talking, and I thought. Uh, and we just it just came into my head and I said how about this and he said yes right let's do that right because, it, because it, it's you know bow wow wow wee wee pole right that's that's why now what, what now who are you playing for I mean how do you even identify do you identify as gay do you identify as not gay do you identify <laughs> as you you know you know on um, when on my Twitter account which is just at RuPaul yeah. I always do this, this is my favorite tweet ever which yeah. is um ego loves identity Right. Drag mocks identity. Right. Ego hates drag. <laughs> because the thing is, you know, humans always want to identify. I'm this and I'm that. Sure. And drag is really the antithesis of that because it's like say, oh, look, I'm this. Now I'm that. And it's like, I don't identify as whatever. Listen, I always say whatever the client wants. Uh-huh. I'm not... <laughs> 
I don't care. You can call me whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But I mean, as you like, as you're finding, you know, your path. Yeah. I mean, like, who is the audience? Where? Because I I know that you know Atlanta has a, a very large you know gay community, and there's a large like there's a comedy club I play at, and it, it almost seems it's. I always feel this even now when I go play the the Laughing Skull. There's a, a big gay club right across the street, and it still feels. Like I always feel like there there there's still something secret about it down mm, there. Is mm. that is that possible? I guess so. I guess yeah, I was never secret. I was never in the closet. Yeah, yeah. I was never I have no idea. Right. What the whole the whole identifying and you know, that's something humans humans that's part of the machine. It's right. part, that's of, the part machine of the matrix. That we are programmed to say, Well, I am this, I am that. I'm like, you know what? I am whatever. I'm whatever. Right. And it doesn't even matter really, honestly. Right. But I do think, like, it seemed to me that at certain points, identity was necessary to build community. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's part of the journey. It's part of the trajectory, you know, mm-hmm. of, a, you know, someone to go, well, I'm this, I'm this. And then you, you the further you, deeper you go into it, you realize I am everything. Mm-hmm. I'm everything. And no judgment, mm. you know, and the worst in people, I am the best in people. I am everything. But you, your consciousness gets to decide how you're going to, uh, you know, navigate this. You know, coming down here on the 101, yeah. there was a freeway, uh, there was a, uh, an accident across the freeway. Right. And, and so, but everyone on my side was stop, pulled, stop to look. It's like, you know what? Govern your ass. Yeah. Handle your shit, ladykins, because, you know, you're the problem. Everybody wants to look. It's like, it's an accident, yeah. you know? So, so, you know, part of the rebel or the whatever in me is like, I will not look. I will not be part of the problem. I won't look. I won't look. I will not text on my phone. I will not, you know, it's like- Would I, you look if you were walking? No, I don't want to see anything awful or horrible. I don't want to see any blood. Have you seen enough? I've seen enough. I really have. And the most horrific images are actually in my own head. Right. So um, I don't want to add to that. Well, what what did you experience? Okay, so you do Wee Wee Pole and you're doing new wave party music. Kind of like the the B fifty twos for for how long did you do rec- you did a you, I know you have records as RuPaul but did you do records then Yeah yeah the, my first record was in uh, uh, maybe it was eighty three mm-hmm. that was with Wee Wee Pole and stuff you know this is the thing listen I knew I was a star mm-hmm. I knew I was a star from the from day one yeah I knew and actually my mother she said they said Tony what are you going to call the kid and she said his name is going to be RuPaul Andre Charles because he's going to be a MF star. And my mother really actually yeah. spoke that way. She was she was from Louis, she was from uh, St. Martinsville, Louisiana, uh-huh. and very peppery, red hot firecracker. Yeah, you know. So and then uh, appa- apparently before that, even a psychic had told her that uh, it was going to be a boy, and, it, and then he's going to be famous. Uh huh. So and so I grew up knowing that. I you don't know. Had to figure out how. Yeah. Well, I, I had to figure out how. And again, <laughs> I had no judgment as to w- how it would be, but I was aware that I needed to listen to what the universe stage direction. And that's what it was. When this universe said drag, uh, I was like, really? Drag? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, okay, sure. But sure. that was not something that, that was a, an it afterthought. It, it, it was, was an not... after, it wasn't like, oh my God, I've got to get in those ladies' panties. Yeah. You know, in a, the, not in the way you would think, but in the way. You sure. Know. So it was never that way. And people still have a hard time understanding that that's, 
even possible, that I could be so divorced from uh, a moral whatever that, that I would go, I would use that as a tool. Well, it's not moral. It seems to me that it was a natural trajectory if you're, if you're performing and you're doing music and you're doing club music and you are into the theatrics of it. It's not that big of a leap. It's not. Not to me. Not from a mohawk and a loincloth. No, it's not. (laughs) If you're going to go there, why not go on the drag? Absolutely. It wasn't a leap at all. You know, when I was about 13, 14, 13, I carried a magic marker with me everywhere I went so that I could write the word Bowie on everything that wasn't moving. (laughs) (laughs) Obsessed. He was it, right? Obsessed. I love him obsessed so you know um so no and and then coming from where i come from and monty python and then it was not monty python and bowie yeah wouldn't have never assumed wasn't a stretch at all so um but you know it's funny but once i did get into and there were different levels it started with um um, gender um f word um i won't say the other i mean i could but i won't um gender f word which is a genre of drag that's like gender fuck uh uh-huh it's just it's like what the monty python but this was more with a punk, uh, social, you know, what? anarchy thing. It's smeared lipstick and and you know combat right. boots and ripped up clothes and like yeah and you know giving the finger. Who are the stuff. Who are the big uh, definers of that? Uh, well, um, the um, the cockettes from yeah. San Francisco and uh, and actually all the whole punk movement was like, well, how far can we go right. with with screwing up the matrix and what we're supposed to do? And well, it seems to me that in in a lot of drag that. It, comedy is essential that there is a comedy to it that there's a comedy to the attitude to the performance and and that that self-referential what you were talking about before that you can you can do this this you can present yourself a certain way and then sort of mock it from within absolutely is is a comedic disposition absolutely once you take that journey and go okay i'm gonna take the red pill then you're on your way to understanding really understanding what it is we're doing here and what it is we're doing here is um uh uh you know not taking yourself too seriously in fact it was at north high school yeah my teacher yeah. the acting teacher there he told me the best advice i'd ever gotten from anybody th- ever and then since yeah which is he said rue don't take life too effing seriously yeah and that those are the that is the key to navigating this life don't take it so seriously and that's when you that's when the party begins so if you take that red pill and you start your journey you're going to discover like dorothy and all roads lead to Oz. Yeah, that you get up close and you look behind that curtain. And you go, "You're the, you're the wizard. You're the wizard. You're <laughs> yeah, you're the wizard." It's the little guy. Yeah, and then you get to know the wizard. And you go, oh, "Okay, so everything was all in my head. I imagined this whole thing. Yes, and exactly. And that's where in lies the party. That's where you can really have some fun. Uh, the only thing you have to watch out is for other people who um, feel threatened by your party. What, what What was your experience with that early on? With other people, you know, I've been very lucky. You know, I'm a sweetheart. People um, generally, generally, people are very sweet to me. Yeah. I'm very. Uh, I've had a really good. Never been, you know beaten up or any of that stuff never have well but once you got through uh once you got done with wee wee pole and once the uh the sort of the clouds opened and delivered you the the drag memo mm-hmm. uh what was your first um incarnation well the drag memo you know uh had had come in many different forms over the years until i put all the puzzle pieces of the puzzle what do you it. mean well um first of all i, I come as a as a little 
uh, teenage boy, people would always say, are you, you're a boy? Because I had a huge afro. Uh-huh. In fact, in ninth grade, I won best afro and best dancer, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, at, and, and on a technical level, uh, yeah. um, my features are not very hard. Uh-huh. I have, you know, a small nose, yeah. relatively speaking, and just the features, um, uh, you know. So there was that. It was always there. It was sort of always like there. The, uh, an androgyny. Yeah, and then actually, on uh, once I was at, I was at Illusions on Peachtree at Peachtree and Tenth, which is down the street from what you were talking about, and I was watching this drag, just drag club this entertainer her name is dina jacobs she mm-hmm. lives in hawaii now and she was singing live and i thought hmm that's an in- interesting angle i'm going to take yeah. note to that as opposed to lip sync as opposed to yeah. lip syncing yeah and uh, i thought huh interesting yeah save that pucked out of the right. way for later right and uh as time went on actually let me tell you the first time the band got into drag we all just said uh, now explosion the name of the ba- the first band sort of first band decided to get into drag as a gimmick for one of the shows so we all got into drag and as a joke Mm -hmm. but the people's people's reaction to me i wasn't prepared for they were like girl yeah damn (laughs) hey i'm like what what are you talking about i was like your legs my god you look gorgeous oh boy i'm like what huh it wasn't the reaction i was so um you were um, hot I was hot. You're foxy. And, but it was foxy. And I was still doing gender yeah. F word. I was right. still doing that. Right. I was rotten. Ah. But you couldn't hide the beauty. Couldn't hide the fierceness. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, that's who you are. There you yes. Go. Right, right. And it's a very powerful feeling once you get that reaction from people. Yeah. You know, you're like, wow, huh, right. interesting. So um, It's like magic. It is like magic. And I, I, I do the same. I'm wearing a suit right now in this, in this when we're talking right now. I've changed clothes three times a day. I can be in a cowboy outfit. I can be in. I I love that sort of chemistry, that alchemy. You know. Yeah, it's, I I get it. I mean, it's making me wish I had some changes. Well, you you, you still have time. I'm sure we could whip something up for you. You know. Well, I'm just thinking about it because, like, if you look at, at at rock and roll, and you look at you know that that it's just such a short jump. Because I wouldn't never assume that, but you know, until I talk to you, that the evolution was not you know a, a sexual identity evolution mm-hmm. it was a it was a rock and roll or music right. evolution that you know you go from Bowie into the New York dolls mm-hmm. I mean all of them mm-hmm. I mean even Mick Jagger to a certain degree there's sure. a very fine line between drag and whatever the fuck some of those guys are doing yeah and so so you start out with the gender fuck stuff but when do you really start to become glamorous well you know from atlanta i had become you know a sort of a, a big star in a small pond in the whole club scene down there and yeah. the next natural evolution is to move to new york and i had to start all what over. year is that i moved to new york in 84 then the city spit me out after six months because was, of or well, did you spit you out well the city spit me out because um um couldn't find a place couldn't find the work i was sleeping in on the piers sleeping on couches whoa, 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 whoa. so you go you you, you what you got no money Mm-hmm. And you go up from Atlanta, and you got your suitcase full of outfits, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Not a, really. and a dream. Well, but the outfits were more. It was still more of that sort of uh, punk androgynous new wave. So it wasn't. Thing. It wasn't. You know, straight up drag. You couldn't just integrate into whatever was going down. No, no. It was. It was sort of downtown, um, right. East Village, sure. thing. You know? Sure. And um, city spit me out. Went back to Atlanta, and uh, you know got myself together and moved back to now you drinking a lot now during oh, all this yes so what, oh, what are God, you yes so you're kind of fueled by that as well what, sure. what were your drugs in oh yeah i was i, I was awake in baker oh, um, really? forever so weed 
And booze. From the time but... I was from the time I was ten years old to the time I was thirty nine. About thirty nine. No powders though. I whatever you got. I didn't have any money, so so you know the easiest thing to get was, you know, booze, uh, weed, mm-hmm. and acid because acid was only five, you were an acid guy. Five bucks a pop. You're surprising me. Five bucks a pop. So I would, and of course I'm one of those, you know, ride a dime of the. So yeah. I'm hit do like five hits of acid Come at on. a time. <laughs> what in in from the time I was twenty one to the time I was about twenty nine. I dropped acid once a week, and it Come had to be on. at least four or five hits. What the fuck did you do on acid? I can't everything, even imagine. <laughs> everything. We would go out to um, uh, Six Flags in Atlanta or even Six Flags out in uh, New Jersey and ride rides all day long on acid, you know, just or whatever. I would do it by myself sometimes, actually. Most times I would do it by myself. I'm, I'm deeply surprised. Why are you surprised by that? You know what year I'm born in. You know the trajectory. You know the timeline. I know, but I like you know. I got RuPaul coming over, and I'm like, what is what? Like you make I make assumptions about people, not to judge them, but yeah. to, you know, because I want to. You know, like a lot of times, what I do here is I get an idea. You sure. know, you're an idea in all of our minds. Right, right. Yeah, you know, right. but I remember that I saw you in New York once out of makeup, and I'm like, holy shit, that's you know, I it, that was mind blowing. Mm. So I don't know what I'm getting into. So I mm. have this idea of who you are, and the best thing that can happen in here is that uh, it's completely wrong. Mm, mm. So the idea that we go from Monty Python to David Bowie to acid once a week, sometimes alone on an amusement park ride, that's thrilling to me. Yeah, well, I, but, <laughs> but but as you just said that, yeah. that sounds like the natural course sure you know but you know what's interesting people are making assumptions like that because it's a safety thing it's a way to protect yourself to go okay i think i know when i'm going to get here so i know what to expect but um you know what if you lived your life in a way where you don't you don't even care to, to just, just just along for the ride. Well, I think what you're talking about when you talk in this way, which you have several times, is a life without fear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I I think that you know, that is a struggle. That that you, it's going to happen no matter what. And if you're frightened and you're fighting it, it's going to be a harder road for yeah. you. Right. So I mean, to let go of fear in a real way, to have the faith to do that, yeah. is no easy trick. Exactly. And and it sounds to me that it, at some point in your life, you know, with acid and with just you know audacity, that you were like, "Fuck you, fear." Yeah. That it seemed like it was more hands on than it is now. It seems like you've relaxed into it, but it it seems that you know in developing and coming into who you are, it was not always that easy, or right. you wouldn't have been pummeling yourself that much with drugs and and. Well, yeah, but you know, I always knew to run into the flame because the uh, the I want to get to, to the other side of the flame. But um, the the fear part of it really had to do with other other people. And, you know, the thing I'm the most afraid of on this planet is ignorance of other people. You know, they're the wild card. They're the wild card. You don't know when someone's going to come out of nowhere and hit you in the head for no reason. Exactly, or the the depth of someone's own self loathing and where that will take them. You know, so uh, uh, yeah. What you do know. you base that on? I mean, what what is your understanding of that i mean i i mean i understand what you're saying as somebody that you you know if you're not straight with your own shit yeah you're not going to be able to control yourself from making someone else pay for it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 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 i think culturally that is the the most threatening thing about ignorance it is absolutely you know uh you know i have actually i do a webcast myself and uh this is all we talk about really this is all we talk about is the is is this 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 movement of uh, what it's like to be a human on this planet and to navigate and how to navigate you know the the bigger dangers are coming from inside that the calls are coming from inside the house yeah get out of the house (laughs) get out of the house (laughs) you being your house yes (laughs) the vessel yes there's a mutiny yes (laughs) 
it's the, it is the most dangerous. And then uh, you know, so but, but how do you approach something like that? I mean, the, the the I mean the biggest obstacle to that type of stuff, especially in in talking about acceptance, which is what we're talking about, mm. and freedom and appreciating mm. someone else's freedom. You know, as long as it doesn't like you say, in the same way you say, just keep it. At, you know, I, you can judge me. Just stay out of my face. Mm-hmm. That there, there has to be two sides to that. We're sort of like, oh, well, they can do what they want to do, even if I don't like it. Tolerance does not imply that you have to like what someone right. else is doing. Right. You just have to suck it up. Right, right. <laughs> Although tolerance is actually a judgment. Tolerance, you know, acceptance is different from tolerance. I know, but it's it's the first step. Yeah, I mean, we can we can. <laughs> Yes. If you could get people to tolerance, you got a better shot at acceptance. I'll take I'll take tolerance. <laughs> sure. We can't we can't ask for utopia here. You know what I mean? We got we have we have uh, some hard cases to work with. Yeah, yeah. But but when you say that that the threat of that that ignorance or that that idea that it's in the house, I mean, how do you? How do you approach that? I mean, it seems to like outside of it being a personal way of thinking. I mean, mm-hmm. you see it as a cultural problem. Yeah. And well, you know, my thing is is about overriding the system, overriding my own system. You know, even coming here, I was I was frustrated in traffic, yeah. and I thought, you know what, Rue, the fact that this is happening, you know, uh, it's important for you to follow through with it because you don't know what what where this is leading you know yeah. it's like it's even with like an acid trip where yeah. you start off and you you actually i never freaked out on acid i saw other people freak out and some people know what i'm talking about when a lot of times when you take acid you feel the launch you yeah, yeah. you get to actually look at yourself you get to leave your body and look at yourself and sometimes what you see is so scary because you see you see yourself from a perspective that you would never ever get to see otherwise yeah and um uh i like to call it the google earth button when you get to see the whole landscape you go oh my goodness that in relation to oh i know where highland park is you know and so um um but the asset so you really found that you learned something from oh absolutely in fact everything that's led me to this seat right here is part of an experience that is so beautiful and so crazy. And, you know, when I look back on this whole life experience yeah. of being RuPaul, um, I'm going to go, oh my goodness, that was amazing. <laughs> I loved it so much. And I wish I would have done that more. I wish I wouldn't have been so afraid here. And Like what? Well, you know, honestly, I wish I'd been more of a slut when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> you missed out. I missed out. thing is that I... People, you know, I'm, I feel I'm very sensitive. Mm-hmm. In fact, my mother said, Rue, you're too goddamn sensitive. Yeah. I was five years old at the time, right. by the way. But, they know. Um, they know. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, I, if I meet someone, if I touch someone, if I'm in someone's presence, I am actually, I get all of their energy. You know, I can feel. Yeah. I still live in New York and I live here in Los Angeles. I also. get that too. That's like, a, it's a weird thing. It's like, I, I'm, I'm able to sort of become codependent within seconds. In seconds. <laughs> On the subway. On the subway. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. where are Just you going? In. <laughs> Is this your stop? Yeah. Can I help you out? I have to fight that. I, I like I, I like I have to consciously not do that. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times you're you're making it up. Yes. I mean, you can feel somebody, but you know, just because you're sitting there looking at someone on the subway, assuming like, oh my god, he's probably only has a dog that's sick and he's he's lost, and you know, he might be on his way to work. But I don't know what how much of that is fantasy, but <laughs> but it is a weird thing. It's a weird thing, and you know, even in New York, I, I, I a lot of times, especially since I've been sober now for like 15 years, yeah. um, I don't have that. Um, 
I can't, I can't, it's hard to be around all these people without a little something extra, you know? So in, it, it, by the by three o'clock in the afternoon, I've got to go home. Exhausted. I've got to go home because I've yeah. taken on so many people's energy and they're, they're, they're you know, so, wow. you know. I wonder what the hell that is. Because I, I mean, I feel that too. And I, I don't always know what it is because I, my personality that I move through the world with is not, does not really suggest that because there's some part of me, like I, I think it's a it's a need to connect. I don't. I think it does suggest that you you're a comic. You obs, you're a astute observationist. You know you you take on the world. You you are the the storyteller of the world. So you have to listen, and you're listening. That's what it is. Right, you're you hyper can, aware of what is going on. But you so, can get hurt very easily for no reason. You can. But what's wrong with that? Nothing. You know what? There's a way for you <laughs> to deal. The the way to deal with it yeah. is to. Uh, you know, is to to transform that energy once it gets inside of your body and making making it work for you. It takes a lot of energy to do that. Yeah. But um, that's how you do it. Don't be afraid of that energy. You, you walk through the fire. Yeah. You know, lift up your skirt and fly, ladies. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, you so know, how did this? How did you see this as an obstacle to you having more fun when you were younger? Because if I met someone, even if just anonymously, um, you know. <laughs> I, I don't want everybody's energy. I yeah. don't want, you know, the idea of it, which yeah. is this anonymous thing where it's like, hey, how will it happen? Woohoo! Or even when I was really drunk or something, yeah. I'd, I'd immediately sober up and go, who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are you? Yeah. What are you doing? You need to go deeper. I need to go deeper. Yeah. And in fact, I realized too, um, young, you know, that the connection I really wanted yeah uh was a deeper connection it wasn't just yeah yeah no that i i feel the same way because it's like the the surfaces don't they they're not they don't they're not right. satisfying well it's and, just and, like the wizard of oz where you have this idea of what the wizard is and then when you get there you're like oh yeah or it's like the relationship between a film projector and a screen you know when you turn the lights on and you go over to the screen you go wait this is just paper yeah yeah. You're the projector. Yeah, that's and right. And so you project all of this energy onto another person or to the, the metaphor right. of the screen. And it's it's quite exhausting for some people. Sure it is, but depending on how you, how big how vast your imagination is. Yeah. You know, and I know you have a vast imagination. Yeah. Yeah. But knowing that you have a vast imagination is part of an understanding of, of, of overriding the machine or or N-word rigging the machine or, you know, it's a way to navigate uh, uh, what you are. So when did you go back to New York? Well, I li I still live in New York. No, but I mean, eighty four, you get spit right. out. You go back to Atlanta. I I moved back to New York in in eighty seven. At eighty seven, um, I was my Saturn returns. I was about to turn twenty eight. Uh, it was actually, you know, Saturn returns starts heating up at about twenty seven. You know, it doesn't really end. Until the dust doesn't settle until about thirty, mm -hmm. so all of that period was really, really, really hard, really tough, um, trying to make a living. And what were you doing? Well, I was still working in clubs, go-go dancing, hosting, and stuff. And when I moved to glamorous, it, now not not, not genderfuck. No, but by that time I had moved into what I like to call street hooker. Uh -huh. That was my my look was street hooker because I wanted to look like a soul train dancer. Uh -huh. So everything was, you know. <laughs> Dirty <laughs> was dirty, but fun, like yeah. a Mary Jane girl yeah. or you know Vanity Six. And or, where are you where are you dancing? Um, at the Pyramid, um, at oh, yeah. uh, Mars, at um, uh, what were some of the clubs back then? It's I been, remember the Pyramid. That was down where I lived. I lived on. It's still there. Second between A and B. Yeah, the Pyramids. It's on Avenue A between Seventh and yep. Sixth uh, Street. Still there. Uh huh. But um, so 
to be competitive at that point, I had to leave the gender, uh, gender, I'll say fuck. it, the gender fuck behind yeah. and, and be competitive and say, well, if they think I'm sexy in the gender fuck, I'm going to give it to them <laughs> in my street hooker look. And I was, you know, it was hot. It was trashy. Yeah. It was trashy, but it was, it was hot. So I got the motherfucking jobs. Yeah. I, I worked. And in 89, by 89, I had become, at that point, it was a big deal, but I had become the Queen of Manhattan. It was a title they would give someone every year. A drag title? It was, it was, there was a king and a queen. Uh-huh. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, that, that year, uh, 89, 1990, I won uh, Queen of Manhattan, which was the pinnacle of, of downtown success. Right, you know? right. So, after my reign had ended, I decided, okay, where do I take it? And by that time... Other neighborhood kids had jumped ahead of the line in the fame line for me. Huh. And I was Who? like, it was Delight. The oh, group yeah, Delight, yeah, Groovy yeah, yeah, in the Heart. Yeah, yeah. Right. They had jumped ahead of the line. I was like, wait a minute. I was, I was, in, I was in line to go to the big time before yeah. you. Yeah. So that woke me up. And I decided I would work on my demo tape. I wouldn't do as many club gigs. So that I, you were like, fuck those guys. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who were your role models for your, uh, uh, the, the sort of dynamic you were like? Who were your female role models? Well, it was always, it had always been uh, Cher and Diana Ross, you know, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. It right, was the, right. the typical right, uh, yeah, things, yeah. Uh, that type of glamour and that type of. Um, why Cher? Why is it always Cher? I'll tell you why. Because she, in the same, and this is, this is the same with all of the gay female icons throughout Joan Crawford, Judy Garland, because these people embody the duality of strength and uh, vulnerability. They, they have both the, the power and the softness. They're, they, they're both. They're, um, I always wondered this. This is, this, is, this is actually why. And everybody who relates to them feels that exact same strength as being a man, but also being uh, emotional and, and soft. The power of Judy Garland's voice. And she's, she wants to give until it hurts. And she's so big. This is like 4'11", yeah, little yeah. powerhouse. Right. But so vulnerable and so lovely. Cher, Cher is very uh, b- kind of butch the way she acts, but she's hiding the fact that she's actually a sweet girl. Uh-huh. So, you know, when, when I met her in person the first time, yeah. I was taken aback by how beautiful she is in person. The, the camera picks it up, she's gorgeous, gorgeous, amazing. Yeah. But when you see her in person, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Gore, something, she's got it. Yeah. She's got it. Yeah. Anyway, same with Diana, you know, this powerhouse, and yeah. she's so charming. Yeah. All of that, you know. Yeah. So, and Madonna is clearly a man. Right. So, you know, the, she's got all of all of those aspects. <laughs> all of those aspects. I never found her to be as dynamic as the other women you're well, talking she, about. Well, no, because she the is. Spectacle. Well, this is. Madonna is yeah. a curator. She is. Um, uh, she understands. How to market? I mean, I mean, I don't. Everybody knows this. She's more of a curator, and that's where the, where we are in culture today. And, and every, the world is caught up to what she's doing. Like Tom Ford, the designer, or Carl Lagerfeld, they are curators. They're not necessarily, um, you know, Tom Ford doesn't know how to sew. Yeah, he doesn't sew. Carl Lagerfeld doesn't sew. You know, Madonna the same. She sings. She actually does it all. Yeah. Not like the greatest. Sure. But she knows exactly what to do and how to put it together. And that's yeah. that's the genius. Yeah, I, I, that is the genius. But I, I feel like you know, because of how fragmented and, and how 
uh, chaotic media has become, that there's actually a movement more towards a, a type of authenticity, of, of actual sewing. I'm hoping sewing will come back. Yeah, that's you projecting into the world. You know, it, 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 that's a cute it's a, idea. It's, it's, a, it's Actually, it's an adorable uh, idea. Well, I'm going to sew, Rue. I'll be here sewing in my garage. You can go do your... Your your organized spectacles wherever you want. <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, you look at H and M or you look at uh, Zara and all these big yeah. co- companies and Uniqlo or whatever it's called. Um, you know, they know what the consumer wants, and the consumer wants it now. Yeah, and they want they want, and it doesn't have to last long. Doesn't anymore. have to last long at six all. Six months, I'll throw it away. Honey, you put it in the washing machine. Yeah, and it's done. <laughs> you know. So, but that's okay. That should be the that should be the the, the saying for H and M. That's their slogan. Put it in the washing machine. It's done. Come back and get a new thing. <laughs> there you and go. And I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Well, the price is right. The It'd be one thing right. if you were spending five hundred dollars on something, but yeah. you, you go to H and M, you're like, a shirt's twelve dollars. Right, wear it tonight and throw it away. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Yeah. All right. So delight puts a fire under your ass. Yes, they put a fire under my ass, and I decide, okay, I'm going to get to it. So I yeah. go to my old friends who I know from from the East Village mm-hmm. who are starting this company, and uh, I say, look, um, I want to do this. What and kind they, of company? Well, they have a production company called World of Wonder, and okay. they they produce today. They produce. RuPaul's Drag Race. They produced my talk show on You've VH1. You've been with them since then, huh? I've been with... They produced my... One of... Uh, an album I did in 86 called RuPaul is Star Booty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so I've been with them for many years. Oh, that's nice. And they Loyalty's were, nice. Yeah. And I'm Scorpio, so mm-hmm. loyalty is, is, is a big one for me. And uh, we have so much fun together. So I went to them um, decided and then went to some other friends uh, from the East Village Matthew and Zaldi and they put together a look for me and they said you know um, let's go super glam let's go, let's do Glamazon yeah. and um, that's what I did I jacked up the volume um, you know add, added one uh, dash of share a tablespoon of Dolly Parton <laughs> yeah. and a heaping shovel full of Diana Ross right. and voila you get RuPaul Glamazon supermodel of the world and then that, and that was the break. That, that was, was the break. And and what was exactly the thing that launched you? It was the Arsenio Hall show. <laughs> yep. Arsenio. Yep. The Arsenio Hall show. What's up with you? <laughs> <laughs> What's up with RuPaul? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what did it. And overnight, and my mother, uh, you know, she had, she was about to, um, metaphor here, she was about to go to Paris. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, she got to see the very beginning of my fame before she moved on. And it was so brilliant because here she had uh, had this prophecy that I would be this famous something yeah and uh it, she got to see it come true and was she thrilled she was i remember at one point she said um uh we she was on her she was they had put her bed in the living room we were watching television because i knew that kurt loader had done the story on me for mtv and right they did a teaser for it on mtv and and she looked over at me and she said rue nigga you are crazy <laughs> <laughs> she got it she got it. <laughs> yes. She, yes. It was great. It was great. You've arrived. I've arrived. Well, what, what did your dad think? He, my father, my father was never present in, in, in a bigger sense of it. You know, and I was, um, I spent so much of my life trying to go, look, I can dance. I, you know, first of all, he, I recognized him as my soul brother. I recognized him as someone, a kindred spirit I'd spent many lifetimes with, right? But he was out of your life. He was, 
he was out of my life, but more in, in, a, in a broader sense because yeah. I recognized him when I came to this planet. Bear with me. I'm from California. Just hold on. Yeah. Um, uh, I said, I know you, buddy. We're, you're my buddy. Yeah. Let's let's party. And, yeah. and he's saying, I can't see you because I can't see myself. Yeah. Um, and I, my response to that was, you want laughter? You want joy? You want dancing? I've got it. I've got you. And yeah. I would laugh and dance. Joy, joy. Yeah. He couldn't see it because he, he couldn't see himself. So that motivated me in my life to make let make him see me you gotta see me i want to do this in general in general in that, general i think that's the best way i've heard that book because i've i think that people men specifically in my experience whose fathers were either absent emotionally or physically the ambition is to you know look at you know see me yes please see me yeah yeah at whatever cost yeah Interesting. Yeah, well, and and that's what I did until uh, about the time I was uh, actually about the, around the time I got sober and got into therapy, and I stepped back from show business for many years. Yeah, and I I self reflected, and I realized that's what I was doing with him, and I changed what motivated me to do what I do. I changed that carrot in front of the cart. Yeah, because that one can, those needs can never be met. Never be met, and it's 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 unfulfilling. Yeah, and you don't know that. You, you that's one of the reasons why you. You do drugs and you do all this thing because you have this drive and you know you want to to, to show yourself and, and be rewarded for it. But if the emotional needs are, are, are father approval, that those days are over. Right. That's why The Wizard of Oz is so important. That's mm -hmm. why that analogy is so important because you have this journey. I want to get there so I can get what I need. You get there, you look behind the curtain and you go, that's, that's it a, that's the guy that's it yeah and then you have to sit it out and that's actually what saturn Re returns is all about you sit it out and you go you recalibrate what your ambition is about unfortunately you know um it took me many years after that to to, to recalibrate what i would well how would you do that because i could maybe use some of that advice well you know what you do is um you have to, you start with you what makes you happy and you you know it's weird that you don't know isn't that funny? I mean, I'm 50 and I'm I'm at like one of those kind of precipice. I'm at the precipice of that right now. It's mm -hmm. like, all right, so this is it. You're doing okay. Why don't you feel okay? Mm -hmm. Well, what do you want? I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. You know, to really figure out what your own needs are and what really makes you happy as opposed to what makes you sort of feel that hit yeah. of like, yeah, look at me. It's tricky. Well, it's tricky, but you know, I, I don't know how much time we have, but you know, <laughs> not enough to fix me. Well, but we give me a few pointers. Well, you know, there's this thing um, with my father. You know, um, I have this this scene in my head that with my father, where actually on weekends with he would he was supposed to come pick me up, mm -hmm. and I would sit on that porch, and he would never show up. Ugh. Well, let me tell you this. Yeah, that scenario in my head has been is a benchmark in my head, right? Yeah. So I had inevitably looked for situations. Situations to strengthen my identity as the little boy who was left behind because on some level that identity is what drove my buggy right yeah, right once I was once I'm able to let go of that identity and say that's not me and I don't get off on that yeah then the party can begin right so um but it's very tricky because, like I said, that tail grows back, and sometimes it'll creep in through someone else, a different person, like, now playing the role of Rue's father is, right, you know. Right. Yeah. So once you recognize <laughs> it, when you, once you hit that Google Earth button yeah. and get some perspective, you go, oh, there it is. Yeah. It's, that's it right there. Right. 
cut that out and say, what do I like? It's like, first, I'm not that little boy on the porch. And second, I was never that little boy on the porch. Um, uh, what rocks my boat now? If I wasn't that, then what are you? Well, I love to laugh. Mm -hmm. I love to dance. Mm -hmm. I love to look at people and go and do things. And that's what that's where the real party begins. Now, were you ever able to express this to him as a as a man? No, no, no. He couldn't get that. It, it was it was never about you know how dogs you or, or cat yeah. uh, where you have a, a stick and you throw it, yeah. and the cat or dog doesn't realize that well, it would be yeah, a dog, wouldn't right. it? Um, doesn't realize that you've let go of the stick and the stick is over there, but the dog is still looking at the hand. Yeah, yeah. It's like and you're like, no, dummy, I threw the stick over there, and it's still looking at your hand like your hand yeah. has the thing, right? He was just an instrument, my father, yeah. to be for, for me to understand that the stick was over there. Yeah. So stop, get out of, don't focus on the stick. Right. The prize is over there. Once you get over there, there are even more prizes. You have many lifetimes in this one lifetime, right. Mark. Yeah. Don't get stuck on that identity. That's why when I started doing drag, and that's why it's such an important idea, the idea of drag, is that you're not the things it says you are on your driver's license. Right. You're way more. Right. You are God in drag. Do you understand how grand that is? How many things you could do? It's outrageous. It's unlimited. You, you, you just have to transcend uh, that faulty relationship with this idea of what your expectations are relative to your father and transcend the fear of fun. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Don't be embarrassed to have fun. Don't be embarrassed to have joy. Yes. And you have to ask yourself, am, do I really want joy? Am I really fixated on being that boy on the porch? Yeah. Or am I fixated? Or do you really want to have fun? Because some people aren't. You know, so you give people advice or you, you say, you know, a solution and they're like, yeah, but it's like, I think, oh. I think for me, and I, I don't know that it sounds like it's the same for you, that when you, I think that experiencing joy and having fun the way you want to have fun is a vulnerable place. Mm hmm. So I think that one of the things that I seem to be afraid of is being mocked or, or hurt hmm. in that place. I don't believe that. I okay. think that you, what you really, you, there's a certain uh, uh, dance, there's a certain um, um, jo factor of the the the, um, of the of the agony of you know, <laughs> like, you know, oh God, I can't. I, I, Nothing ever works out for me. <laughs> Come on. I don't believe that. That is not who I am. Well, but you listen, You're right. when you it's look at the machine, when you look at the machine, My we're not machine? that any machine. We're not that unique. And one machine yeah. to the other. Some are they have little differences here yeah, and there, yeah, but yeah. mostly all the machines are the same. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's what happens with the machine. And yeah. when you can override it, when you can N-word rig it, yeah. you can then you can party, then you can say uh, you know what? I, I'm, you know, the, your fear of looking stupid is is holding you back. That's right. I don't care. I, I don't care what people say. I ain't studying you. Yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah. I I I know. I know. So I I can maybe I'll go get some dresses. You you know <laughs> you can get dresses. You can do whatever. Um, how long have you had that shirt you're wearing right now? It's pretty new. Is it? Well, I mean, I got it like I I I got it from the TV show. They they bought it for uh -huh. me. So, I, well, you think I need a new shirt? Well, you know. <laughs> Okay, okay. I'll, I'm going to write that down. Get new shirts. RuPaul says so. 
Get new everything. <laughs> Why a not? A makeover. We should do a makeover show. Well, you. you know, it's just oh, there's so I'll much. I'll shave. I'm going to shave later. Well, no, no, no. There's just so much time you have, and you want to look back and go, yeah, you know what? I kicked the fuck out of this shit. Yeah, yeah. I did it. I did it. Well, you definitely did. I mean, I, I like when I was kind of browsing over the major accomplishments. Mm-hmm. The uh, well, I thought it was very interesting that you were the first uh, drag uh, personality to get a makeup deal. That's a big deal. Yeah, well, it, 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 it is <laughs> a, big a big deal. deal. It's a big deal. Do you find that you? What kind of feedback do you get from fans in in terms of inspirational, like you being an inspiration? Listen, I've always said, you know, my goal was never to be a role model. Right? No, it was more I know. To be a supermodel, but um, uh, my goal was to have fun. That I like to laugh, I like to dance, I like to party. I love music. Mm-hmm. But if and you know that's my goal. But if somebody gets off on what I'm doing, right on. But that's. That's a second. That comes after. But it's an amazingly gratifying thing. I, I mean, I'm in the same boat, and whatever I'm doing here, I get this feedback where it's sort of like, you know, you help me out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's there's nothing really more rewarding than that on, on an emotional level. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Although, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> it is still not as fun. But is it? a, it's a, everything has to start from you. If this mm-hmm. is if you created this whole program, this mm-hmm. computer program, mm-hmm. then it starts with you. Joy is something that emanates from within. Happiness comes from without but mm. from outside of it you it does yeah happiness comes from outside of you joy emanate, emanates from within and that is there for you at any moment it's up to you to decide am i the boy on the porch or am i god in drag uh-huh. and i can change any situation by from the inside out Okay, I got a lot of work to do. No, you don't. You're, yeah. you, I know you. You're there. You're, I know. I'm just. I'm just acting. Well, you know, some people are so fixated on the um, being without or being, you know, their smaller being self. That's right. The being smaller their self. Smaller self. So now, okay, another question I need to ask. Uh, just on a general uh, The way. answer is 36, 24, 36. I knew and it. yes, they're real. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. They're real and in the car. <laughs> It's not on right now, but um, but wait, what is it? You know, I've gotten to what in terms of uh, words, mm-hmm. uh, tranny mm-hmm. bother you? What does tr- word tranny bother yeah. me? No. Okay. <laughs> I love the word tranny. Like there's a the the transsexual transgender community. No, no, no. It's not the transsexual community who's saying that. These are fringe people who are looking for storylines to uh, to strengthen their identity as victims. That is what we're dealing. It don't it's not the trans community because most people who are who are trans have been through hell and high water, and they know they've looked behind the curtain of at Oz and went, "Oh, this is all a fucking joke." Right. But some people haven't, and they've they've used their victimhood to um, create um, to create a situation where, no, you look at me. I want you to see me the way you're supposed to see me. You know, if your idea of happiness has to do with someone else changing what they say, what they do. Um, you are in for a fucking hard ass road because the ego would have you think that if you stop doing what you're doing, Mark, if you change that that shirt, yeah. then I'll be happy. <laughs> that is a trap. That's a, a trap that the ego will have you, it, it gets you every time. Yeah. So the truth is, um, listen, I've been up against that. You yeah. know I have. Yeah. Um, um, you know, my 32 year career speaks for itself. Right. I 
dance to the beat of a different drummer. I believe everybody, you could be whatever the hell you want to be. Yeah. I ain't stopping you. Yeah. But don't you dare tell me what I can do or what I can't say or do. It's just words. Yeah, words do hurt. Words hurt me. You know what? Bitch, you need to get stronger. You really do. Because you know what? If you think... If you think if you're if you're upset by something I said, yeah. you you have bigger problems than you think. I'm telling you this. I mean, a lot of people are going to get upset about this, but the truth is, we have established that this is all a joke. Yeah, we you know there are people who take the matrix seriously. It's like a play. Let's it's not you can't worry if you're going to be outside the matrix. You can't play by its rules or try to break the rules. Exactly, of the matrix. You just live outside of it. Or you're in it. That's right. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. It's like a, a play. If you're yeah. in a play on stage, right. and oh, I'm playing this character, and you're right. playing that character. Yeah. If you press freeze, and you go off the stage, and you look at the play, and go, oh, I see where I see where this is going. Right. I yeah. understand what this is. Yeah. Then you go back into the play, hit the un, the pause button, and go, okay, let's have fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. going to have fun now. <laughs> but you can't take... My, like my teacher said, Rue, don't take life too seriously. Yeah. Some people will, will force you to, I want you to take me seriously. It's like... Okay, well, I think I need to go someplace else. Yeah, <laughs> because you're not in the same play that I'm in. That's right. You know. So, have you, but do you deal with flack for for how you? You know what? I have just recently. We 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 our show got into some some thing with it. But these are four people. RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, four yeah. people who have an inner a Wi-Fi connection mm-hmm. sit behind a computer in God knows where. Yeah, and and deliberately misinterpret our verbiage. And decide um, we're uh, you hurt me or you decide we are not doing anything to you. That's how you interpreted it, and that is your that is you have the freedom to do that. But you know um, we're coming from a place of love, and in fact the ego cannot discern the intention behind. You know I can call myself uh, you know a nigger faggot tranny all I want to because mm-hmm. I've fucking earned the right to do it i've lived the life i've been on the front line mm-hmm. so and my intention if i call my other girlfriend bitch you know <laughs> she knows i'm talking about it from a place of love mm-hmm. you she knows that mm-hmm. and so uh you know but people out of school out of could take that same information and try to use it against me. It's like because it can't the ego cannot pick up the intention behind it i understand what you're saying because the the, the sort of the censoring you know, even though it may, you know, it may uh, make someone else comfortable or or play to a broader social sense, uh, uh, cultural sensitivity. Like I think what they're asking for, it seems to me, is 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 to be um, respected as a as a community or, right. or to be respected as a, as as somebody who's trying to do you know, be who they are, right. and they see any sort of uh, verbiage. Uh, that they see as negative is an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you live the life and you transcend all that shit, you're truly free. You know that the voices, the calls are That's coming right. from inside the house. That's it right. doesn't change from the outside right. in, it changes from the inside out. Wow. <clears throat> but, you know, listen, there's nothing you could say to those people that will change it because it's a, it's a, it's an element of the machine, of the cycle. Life. We all have that. We all have, some of us can transcend it more. That idea that the world is against me, there's a conspiracy mm-hmm. against me. But it's the same as in the book animal farm or orwell's animal farm where the 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 animals forgot why they had a revolution in the first place you know and the pigs started walking up on their hind legs it's like no 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 the reason we do this is because we wanted to start something different something new something broader right you know but they want to go back to um you know they insist on playing by the matrix rules exactly they want they secretly just want to be farmer john yeah (laughs) right you know yeah 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 and it's like what 
What? Yeah. It's a there's a this conversation. It's a lose lose conversation. I actually stayed away from this dial this dialogue for forever because it's a lose lose situation. You cannot win with this. When you're up against the ego, you will only come up. Your ego will bring out their ego, and that's right. how wars get started. That's right. But you know, it's like you know what? I believe what I believe. You believe what you believe. Let's just call it uh, call it a, a truce. All right. You know, I think that's a good way to end. You? Yeah, yeah I think so. It was lovely talking to you. It's fun. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, it was far more amazing than I, I could have ever anticipated. Good. All right. Good. Okay, that's it. That's our show. What a what a, a smart fucking you know grounded dude that helped me out. It helped me out. Go to wtfpod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Please get the app if you're new to the show. Uh, only the most recent 50 are available for free. You can get the free WTF app at the app place and upgrade for a few bucks to premium and stream all of them. And do whatever you got to do over there at WTFpod.com. Get some justcoffee.coop. You know, I got, I have work to do. I have to write some songs. All right. Boomer lives.